every woman has a birth story to tell. This podcast is our birth story. The birth story of how each of us became midwives. Our journey to midwifery. I'm your host, Amber Wilson, a doctor midwife. And each episode, I'll take you on another journey to hear the stories of midwives all across the globe. Listen to each tell the story of their personal journey. Listen to the words of how each was birthed into the field of midwifery and listen to the stories of trials and tribulations along the way and the love and passion each holds for midwifery. Today we have Courtney, who's a certified nurse midwife in the Dallas, Texas area. Courtney, say hello. Tell us about yourself. Hi, everybody. I'm Courtney. I'm a midwife out in McKinney, which is near Dallas. Um, if anybody is familiar with Texas, uh, I've been doing this for almost three years now, um, and I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good positive sign. <laughs> so share with us what made you go into midwifery. The biggest draw for me was I loved being a labor and delivery nurse and I loved being a med surgeon nurse. I did both those things first, but I hated only seeing my patients for 12 hours. I was really missing that um, continuity from learning they were pregnant. First of all, keeping them not pregnant when they didn't want to be and then getting them pregnant when they wanted to be and then going throughout their pregnancy because I saw so many things. If we had just had a conversation about it six months before, they could have had a different experience in their labor. Um, and so that's what I did. So I, I called up my school. I went to Georgetown University and I said, I really want to do this long term. And that's where it started. So how long were you a nurse before you went into midwifery? I was a med surge nurse for a year and then I was a labor nurse for another year before I applied. But then they delayed my program start until... Um, I had been right at two years. Um, so okay. by the time I graduated, I had been a nurse for almost five years. Did you ever consider another path of midwifery, like a direct entry? I didn't because I didn't know I wanted to be a midwife when I became a nurse. Um, okay. I really thought I was going to be a ER nurse or an ICU nurse. And then I got to clinical rotations and figured out that was not my cup of tea. And, and then I had to figure out a new plan. Uh, so I met a midwife on a panel interview during my OB class in nursing school. And that's where I saw that looks like more like the book. That's what I was looking for, but I wasn't seeing it in my clinical sites. So that's where my passion for wellness and midwifery came from. Isn't it funny how one interaction can just change our whole lives? It's insane because I've never had any inclination to do women's health. I never had any, you know, I didn't have children. I just, it was not on my radar until that's kind of fit into where I was looking for. That is a good story. So you mentioned you went to Georgetown. Tell us a little bit about your school. Did you consider other schools? Just tell us all about that. Yeah. So when I looked in, when I, I shadowed a midwife for a couple of weeks when I was trying to figure out, do I really want to be a midwife or not? And I fell in love with it. And so then I looked into options because I only had a year experience of L&D that really limited my options. I had two years of nursing experience, but only one year of L&D. And so that really narrowed down my pool pretty quickly. 
Um, so if you have that two years, a lot of programs require that. Georgetown requires no L&D experience. Um, and so it was kind of a benefit that I had some. And so that was one of the draws is that I can start now instead of waiting. And the other draw was they have a live based online program. And I was really, really nervous about the self-paced or the, I guess, the sole responsibility on you of, of kind of pacing your learning because I am a terrible procrastinator. And I had never done online school. I went in person for my undergrad and did great. I was just terrified to do an mostly online program. So the fact that I had class times every week and they were live and I could see my professors. And then the other draw that they kind of sold me on, of course, is that they help you find your clinicals, which is hard to do, especially in a really competitive area like I'm in. I'm in the DFW area. We have tons of students and we have big Baylor, um, Baylor's uh, in-person midwifery program. And they have contracts with most of the practices around here to get clinicals. So I knew that that was going to be a factor. So they sold me that way. And then also our professors, uh, many of our professors, not all of them, of course, but many of them are some of the big names that are on the midwifery books. And that was kind of a selling point for me. I was, I, I felt relieved that I was learning from somebody who really was an impact to the midwifery world. And hopefully I would learn well and, and be a good midwife. Did you have to visit the campus? I did not have to visit the campus, and I didn't prior to going to school, um, but we did have to visit three times during our, you know, two and a half year program, uh, which in the beginning was a drawback for me. Like when I applied, I was kind of frustrated by that. And afterwards, I was really grateful for it, even just after the first one, because I felt so much more prepared than the than the students I ran into that didn't have that Um and I felt a lot more prepared for interactions with my preceptors. And it also gave me a really good basis of strength with our co like our co students so that we could call each other when we had a hard night or when we felt like we weren't doing well. Um, it's just different for me. I'm an in-person person. So it was hard for me to imagine an online program. And that really was a good bridge. So for me, it was a drawback when I applied. But afterwards, I can't imagine not doing it. And how did you pay for your Georgetown education? <laughs> uh, I'm still paying for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I was really fortunate. It was on scholarship for my undergraduate program. So I had no loans for my um, my nursing degree. So it made me a little bit more open to taking loans for my graduate degree. And do not recommend this, but I worked full time through my program so that I still had benefits and I still worked. And my husband worked part time so that he could take care of our little one and um, that I had during my program, which I also don't recommend. <laughs> um, and Georgetown will tell you that you cannot work through your program. I agree with them. However, it was one of those I just didn't have a choice. And so I just mm-hmm. made it happen. And um and I, and I had a really supportive uh, manager as a nurse, so she let me save up all my vacation for two years, and then I took a day of vacation every day for my last semester um, so that I could kind of work part-time, even though mm-hmm. I was still getting full-time benefits and pay. So um, that's how I swung that. <laughs> so do you, you answered all my questions about working in children in school, but mm-hmm. how would you say your balance was 
There definitely wasn't a whole lot of balance. (laughs) No, I I mean, I really just had a ton of support from my family and they just kind of picked up the slack and I Mm -hmm. was gone seven days a week for two years, you know, but um, my little one was eight months old, so she didn't know. And I pumped everything for her. So I just, (laughs) I just dropped it off and left and um, when I had my online classes, my teachers would let me nurse the baby in class. And, mm-hmm. um, I actually went to class the day after she was born when I was still in the hospital on mag. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so I was on mag and nursing my preemie and, and, and in class preparing for our final. And, um, so they were really supportive at Georgetown for letting me have that adventure. We are so dedicated, aren't we? I think we're just all a little bit crazy, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, I wouldn't have done it a different way. I can't imagine doing it a different way and it just worked. So I did it. And you did it. Yes. I, and I, I graduated, um, with honors and I, um, went and I got into Sigma Theta Tau and like, so I did it and I didn't just survive. Like I did really mm-hmm. well. And I think that was something that was a big goal of mine is I don't want to just make it through. I want to do really well um, because I do want to become a professor one day. And I really mm-hmm. want to be um, have a future in academia. And I just wanted to not make it. I wanted to do well. So now tell us about the board exam. How long after did you take it? Did you pass the first time? What did you use to study? Um, I used the red WHNP book. I cannot mm-hmm. remember the name. It's a very common one that everybody uses. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like that was an excellent tool to identify what I obviously couldn't remember and what <laughs> and the things that I was <laughs> and I was I was blazing through some of it, so I didn't waste time on that. So it was a good kind of test point on where I need to focus my studies. I um, graduated. My last class was December 6th of 2016, and then I, my graduation date was December 31st. I tested January 3rd and started my job January 4th. Wow. (laughs) So it was a little stressful for all the midwives at my, at my job that I'm still at. I'm still at my first midwifery job, um, texting me that day. Like, um, we haven't heard anything. Should we replace the flowers with wine or, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I did pass the first time and that was really, really tough test. It was much harder for me than the NCLEX. The NCLEX, I didn't have that response of, I think I just failed this or I, you know, coming out in tears, but I was really terrified. They were going to hand me that piece of paper and it was going to say, good luck next time. (laughs) You know, Um, but I did fine. I passed. I do wish there was more feedback on it because I feel like that would have really helped me kind of process before starting practice not necessarily by the next day, but I do really wish there was more feedback. Uh, I know that that's probably not possible, but that's what I, that was my biggest fear of like, okay, what didn't I know? What do I need to learn before I start? Um, and I know that that's not ever going to happen. So that was the hardest part for me is not knowing, not getting that feedback of mm-hmm. where were you struggling? Um, and I know you didn't ask me this, but I'm dual certified. I have a WHNP and a, and a CNM. And I love that on my WHMP 
um, recertifications that they give you a pretest and then they tell you what you have to do your your CEUs in. Um, so I kind of wish it was more like that uh, mm-hmm. because then I know, okay, they say I'm weak in pathophysiology or they say I'm weak in pharmacology or they say I'm weak in well, whatever, I don't know. Um, and so it gives you kind of a a guide on where you need where the things are lacking in your current practice yeah Um, that is nice so how did that work you starting job did you I assume you didn't have your state license by then the next day so yes so when I started (laughs) the next day I just oriented I shadowed I really was no different than a student Um, my license came in within 30 days even then at my practice, I work in a very, like a upscale private practice. And so they wouldn't let me see patients until I had insurance approval. So it took another 90 days or so mm-hmm. beyond my, when my license came in that I could actually start doing all that. Um, my malpractice came through within like two weeks of getting my license. So within six weeks, I could see patients. I just, and I could go do deliveries and things with the, with the, with the midwives, but I couldn't, um, actually practice independently until the first three or four months. Mm-hmm. How did you get that? Jo- How did you find that job? Um, a scrub tech that I worked with uh, saved my life. No, <laughs> she, <laughs> I was looking for jobs, obviously, um, getting close to graduation. And I had a couple of leads that I was interviewing with and talking, um, but a lot of them weren't anything solid. They were like, we'd love to have a midwife or we'd love to get another midwife. But, you know, we're not sure when that's going to officially happen. Is it going to be two months from now or six months from now? And so that was making me really nervous is that there was nobody waiting for me. Right. And which I find a lot of graduates, I take a student every semester. A lot of them are looking for that somebody that's ready now, mm-hmm. um, which is what I wasn't finding. And then um, the scrub tech I was working with on a night shift, nursing shift, she said, hey, one of my friends is a midwife. I used to work with her at the other hospital that I worked out in McKinney. And she um, she said that they're starting to look for a new midwife. Do you want me to give her your name? Could you move to McKinney? And I said, um, I'll move anywhere. <laughs> you know, my my daughter's eight months old and my husband has a part time you know, job in construction. Like, we'll go anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so it just worked out. They interviewed me a week later and there were to be two new grads looking at that position and fortunately, they picked me, and I got started less than a Did month later. Did you have later. to move far? It was about an hour and a half okay. um, from my house. We owned a house where we were living, so I commuted for the first two two months while we sold and bought a new house. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a little bit of a commute, um, mm-hmm. but it was during that orientation period, so I wasn't on call yet or anything, so it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does of- your... What is your practice like now? Like your, what's your week look like? How are your mm-hmm. hours? Um, I think my hours are about as good as any midwives. We have we have big jobs, um, mm-hmm. but we uh, we have three midwives that share call, and we function in a practice of um, we have four OBs that share call together, and we have the three midwives that share call together, and so there's one of each of us on call at all times. We have, we kind of call it separate mini practices where the midwife patients see midwives and the doctor patients see doctors. And, you know, if we need the doctors, we ask them. Or if the doctors need us, they ask us. But 
for the most part, we, we see our own patients and they see their own patients and they, you know, we, we co-manage as needed, but, um, anyway, so we have our own clients. So we, we are on call 33% of the time, the way our practice does it is we do, we like set call days. So what we do is we do, we all have a day a week we're on for 24 hours. Um, we don't have to be in house cause we're not overly busy where you have to be, um, and we're fortunate enough to have a hospitalist and anesthesiologist in-house at our hospital. Um, so we have that available for emergencies. And we have um, two hospitals we have practice our, our privileges at. So we're on 24 hours every week set. And then we rotate every third Tuesday and every third Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so that's how we kind of keep our days straight. And then we do um, four days in clinic, one of which we're on call. Um, to where we're in, on call and in clinic. So we often have to cancel that clinic day if we're at a birth. Um, but we try, we shorten that day. So we only have like four hours of clinic that day so that we can mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, admit patients and go break water if we need to or, or go labor with them if they get to active labor once, you know, a few hours later. And so if we have inductions or if they come in, they come in and we just leave clinic. Sorry, patients. And then, um, and then the other days we have seven-hour clinic days and a four-hour clinic day. So we have two four-hour clinic days and two seven-hour clinic days. And then, you know, we automatically assume most of us will be there at least two hours of admin time on on those days. Um, if you need, they don't like time it or anything. It's just whatever you need. Um, but I find I'm always doing that two hours. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we have four days in clinic, one day designated off one day designated call and then rotate the rest. So if you, what would be your average hours a week? I think on a good week, it's probably 36 on a bad week. It's probably 66. I think, you know, like, I think um, it just depends on how busy the call is and how um, the clinic is pretty steady. It's pretty similar most days. So that's nice that you can kind of depend on those hours Mm -hmm. and the call is what, rotates like we have some months where we do 15 deliveries between all of us and it's really slow and we don't really work that much on the call days and then there's other other months we have 30 deliveries and so we're a lot more busy so it just Mm -hmm. depends um on the call really do you feel like that schedule gives you a good work-life balance I feel like when we have three full-time midwives we do okay our goal is to eventually get to four um, we don't really want to get much bigger than that, but we would love to get to four so that we could do every fourth weekend. I think the weekends are the toughest things on our families um, mm-hmm. because they can either be really good or they can be really hard. Um, so um, I think that would be our goal eventually is to get to where we don't have to do as many of those. Um, but I feel like when we have three full. It's pretty good right now. We have mm-hmm. a new grad who's training. So we're still kind of the two midwives with you know, me and the other midwife are still kind of orienting her. Um, and so she's not, you know, she's not taking full call on her own without us backing her up yet. And so that is a lot harder. The balance is a lot more stressful with two midwives than it is with three. Um, so we're really looking forward to her being up and, and ready. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So fourth will be nice for you guys. Eventually, no. She's she's our third, so we've been yes. down to two midwives, and so we'll be back up to three because our other midwife retired. Okay, and, but we have um, 
we have a couple of people that are interested in starting midwifery school that we work with and we're like, Hmm, two years out, we could probably be ready for four. If we, mm-hmm. you know, if we built our cards, right. Yeah. So in your area, what should a new grad expect for salary? It's actually a pretty um, tight range from what I've heard. It's pretty standard across the board, big between somewhere between 85 and 95. Um, mm-hmm. Um, so it's not, you know, there's not a whole lot of negotiation room, it seems like, because jobs are so few far in between and we have so many applicants. So I feel like here, that's your biggest struggle is you have less room to negotiate because there's somebody waiting for the job behind you, (laughs) Um, um, which is good that we have jobs available, but it's Mm -hmm. hard for negotiating and finding a good fit for you is that you kind of have to, you have to find the right stars to align. Um, Mm -hmm. We have a lot of people who graduated with me who, um, or students that were going through with me, a lot of them moved. Um, Some of them come back, like a lot of them will go get a couple of years experience and then it's easier for them to move back if they want to come back to this area. Um, but it can be really competitive for a new graduate uh, because there's a lot of really awesome practices. So they don't have to take just new grads. And there's like we recently hired a, a midwife and we had 22 applicants for the position. Oh, wow. Um, and 22 qualified applicants. Uh, so it was, you know, we we had our our pick. <laughs> so Yeah. And I'd say probably half of those had experience. And does the practices around there offer CEU allowance, malpractice, all the expected package things? Yes, I found all three people that I was discussing jobs with when I graduated and people who have approached me since um, were offering salary with either bonus pay based on their pay structure or um, or and 1500 for CEUs, mm-hmm. one week, one week of CEU vacation, and then um, three weeks vacation. And then what was the other question? I'm sorry. Malpractice. Yes. And then malpractice with tail insurance, uh, tail coverage. That's a good package. Yeah. I found it was pretty much standard at all the options I talked to, which was a nice thing that I didn't have to worry about. Yeah. So you've been practicing for almost three years. Mm-hmm. Does how has your why I'm a midwife changed in that three years? That's a tougher one. I really think um, I was shocked at how much time I spent in the clinic versus in my call delivering babies job. As a student, I think I spent so much time worrying about that part that I didn't think about the other and. Even in my final rotation where I did, you know, full-time hours, still I felt like more than half of that was in the hospital. Um, So it didn't feel like the practice I'm at, we do a lot more clinic than we do delivering babies. Um, So that was very different than what I expected and something I had to adjust to. So that was my biggest, like, finding joy in clinic life. Versus finding joy at the, you know, so that was the biggest shift is that I really fi- had to find the the excitement of of well women's and vaginitis and UTIs mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. because I spend so much time doing that. Yeah. Do you have a resource that you would recommend to a new midwife or 
something looking back on like a good book, something inspirational? I really didn't. Um, I wish I had probably done that better. I had a great mentor through school that I kept in touch with. um, And that's been a crucial, important thing for me to debrief. Um, Mm -hmm. There was also another student that graduated around the same time as me that we've kind of really touched base anytime we have tough days or we have a tough case and we're, you know, consulting and trying to figure out what's going on. And then the other thing is a really great counselor (laughs) because I feel like in birth work, it's so easy to not take care of yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's been the biggest thing that's helped me stay healthy and helped me stay available for my family and helped me to enjoy the craziness of our, of our world as midwives. Mm -hmm. So your resource is a support team is what it sounds Mm -hmm. like a Mm -hmm. mentor, a friend and a mental health counselor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So through all this journey, do you have, if you can name one characteristic about yourself that has gotten you here, do you have one? Stubbornness. Oh my gosh. People say that all the time. <laughs> yeah. I think you really have to be dedicated to making this happen. And I think you have to be ready to to kind of go to battle for yourself and 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 get through the tough days and get through the tough concepts that aren't making sense and and find the right resources so um and and also I think you have to kind of do that for your patients sometimes too like you have to you have to be your own advocate and you have to be an advocate for them um so I think that's the biggest thing that made me make it yeah but we have to take our own advice and be our own advocate because we're bad Mm -hmm. at that I -hmm. think Um, any last minute advice you would give to somebody who wants to be a midwife? Do it. Like, just, if you decide, just go for it and jump all in and, and find all the joy and find all the love and find all the craziness and, and, um, and meet other midwives. I love the North Texas Consortium of Midwives, which is the ACNM, um, kind of North Texas group. They really helped me through clinicals. They, I, they help me now. Uh, we have our Facebook group and we ask questions about insurances and like crazy things that come up. So find your people and get, mm-hmm. you know, get plugged in because that's how you're going to find jobs and that's how you're going to stay sane. And that's how you're going to, um, you know, find resources for your patients. It's just my biggest resources people. Um, so find those people now. Um, and the best way for me to get started was I shadowed midwives. Like I just cold called them and said, Hey, I just want to see if this is for me. Can I come spend some time with you? So I'm not asking to be your student. I'm not asking you to fill out all this paperwork and all this stuff. Like, can I just come see if this is for me? And that's where I started building relationships. And I did some volunteer hours at a birth center. Um, And those are, those are some of the greatest relationships I still have is from that time period of like, do I even want to be a midwife? So use this time as a resource and do it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Courtney. That was perfect. Thank you. I'm happy to help. I I hope I hope it answers a few questions for somebody somewhere. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Courtney's Journey to Midwifery. If you or anyone you know would love to interview with me, please reach out at journey to midwifery podcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram and Facebook as midwife.mommy. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time.